In each episode of the Rebel Educator podcast, you'll hear discussions with world-class educators, students, and thought leaders in education as I extract the tactics, tools, and routines that you can use as teachers and parents. I'm Tanya Sheckley, founder of Up Academy and host of Rebel Educator. I invite you to join me for these conversations as I discover how to shift the classroom, the learning environment, the mindset, and the pedagogy to resist tradition, reignite wonder, and reimagine the future of education. Subscribe to Rebel Educator wherever you get your podcasts. On today's show, the guys talk with Dr. David Linehan about EdTech innovations making medical school education more attainable for students. There's an East update and witty banter. All that and more up next on EduTech Guys. You're listening to the EduTech Guys, edutechguys.com. Hello and welcome to EduTech Guys Radio. I'm David Henderson. Hey, and I'm Jeff Madlock. Yeah, welcome to the show. Thank yeah. you guys so much for tuning in, turning us on. Wait, that's probably not right. <laughs> Wasn't that a laugh in? Oh yeah. Tune in, turn off. Oh turn yeah, what, on. What, I don't I don't know. That's that's before my time. Get pickles. <laughs> Man, we are we are so close to the Thanksgiving holiday. It is coming up quickly. I, do you I can smell, smell it? the turkey. <laughs> oh, I smell the turkey. All right. <laughs> I did, boy, I man, did you open the one. door for that one, buddy? Yeah, good job, Jim. But uh, man, I just—it's amazing to me how fast the <laughs> semester has flown by. It's—we it, were just talking about that in an interview we did, you know, lately about yeah. how quickly this semester is just a. It really has. It's it's flown quickly by like the turkey drop for WKRP. And oh, wait, that didn't go so well. <laughs> <laughs> this year, the Edge of Tech guys are going to do a turkey drop. <laughs> I'm throwing two frozen butterballs off my roof. So come on out. We'll tweet out the address. And <laughs> oh, my gosh. The mental picture. Because, I mean, you've got like a three-story house. So to... Boom, frozen turkey. With a pitched off of roof. It. I mean, we're talking, wow, that would Laser be. turrets, a <laughs> moat. Um, listen, visit us on the web, www.edutechguys.com. You can find us, you know, I say it every time. Yeah, turkey is off my roof. No, you can go out to Google, type in Edutech Guys, and you're going to find us. Hey, hit us up on Twitter, send us a message, tell us what you'd like to hear, what you'd not like to hear. What's going on in your school district, your classroom, your life? Let us know. We'd like to uh, talk about it here on the show. We'd love to have you on the show. So remember, visit edutechguys.com and let us know what's going down. That's right. And I'm sure you can tell by listening to us, but we love doing this. We love talking to you guys. We love podcasting. We love having a goofy time on the air. Wait, this is on the line? I thought we were just line. putting this in a recording and cassette and putting it in our cassette. <laughs> our cassette. I've been recording it. You hear, you hear the hiss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, and we love visiting with educators, hearing their stories at events all across the nation. And you and you and or your company could help us continue spreading that love by sponsoring either the show itself, our weekly shows, or the conference appearances that we do, or you could sponsor both. Visit edutechguys.com slash sponsors to find out how you can help keep the edutech guys train rolling and get your name and company in markets you may not currently occupy. Reach out to us, edutechguys.com slash sponsors. Hey, stay tuned. We're going to 
take a quick break and we'll be right back with our interview. So hold tight and we'll see you in just a bit. EduTech Guy's Adobe Spark Giveaway. Dr. Monica Burns, the co-author of her new book, 40 Ways to Inject Creativity into Your Classroom with Adobe Spark, is giving away a signed copy to one lucky EduTech Guy's follower. Complete the form at classtechtips.com slash edutechguys by 11.59 a.m. Eastern Time on November 30th, 2018. The winner will be chosen randomly and announced in December. The winner must provide a U.S. shipping address when notified to claim the prize. Head over to classtechtips.com slash edutechguys for your chance to enter and win a copy of Dr. Monica Byrne's new book, 40 Ways to Inject Creativity into Your Classroom with Adobe Spark. Hey, welcome back to the EduTech Guys. We're really excited to have our next guest on the show. So we're going to let him tell us who he is and what he does and all that kind of good stuff. So here we go. Thanks, Jeff and Dave. My name is Dr. Dave Linehan, and I'm the president and CEO of Tiber Health. And we're a education, health education platform company that has kind of developed a new way of assessing students' performance. And through some predictive analytics and some math formulas that I created, we're able to identify students who normally wouldn't get into medical school and be able to determine if they would do well on medical school board exams and thus make them eligible for medical school. And we're really trying to focus on that cultural competency aspect. So we're looking for students that are maybe from a lower socioeconomic demographic. And what we find is that if we can identify those students, we can get them into medical school or health education, and we can help drive the number of culturally competent healthcare workers in our workforce. And using some analytics, we've been extremely successful in being able to identify talent because we believe talent is equally distributed across all social demographics and get them into health science education. It's been hugely successful. And we think, and I I kind of say this, I got a little bit of crap back from Elon Musk. I go, it's great that Elon wants to send somebody to Mars. I mean, exploration is a huge part of the human experience, but helping health education, helping healthcare today is something that's going to affect everybody listening to your podcast, Jeff and Dave, right now. Yep. Right. And right. while exploration is important, we're trying to solve a problem that's going to affect all of our lives right now. And that's all type. That's what Tiber Health is all about. Well, and, and ultimately, I mean, I, I, I would think that ultimately helping helping those students who could potentially perform well in the health industry could ultimately help out with that exploration for when the time comes that those doing the exploring uh, might need some medical assistance. Just going to throw that out there. I don't know. And in two or three hundred years, when we finally get around to doing it, they can travel with them. I agree. Exactly. You know, and he, and here's the thing that when we when we take these students from these areas, the, these socioeconomically deprived areas, they're the workers that are likely to go back into those areas. So maybe we take somebody from Mars after we colonize and bring them into our program and they're more likely to go back and work in those areas. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about the program. <laughs> so is it kind of a is it kind of a uh, is it kind of a. 
I don't want to say it's a stopgap between, um, you know, a, that four year undergraduate going into med school. But is it the opportunity to go, hey, I'm going to go here. I'm going to let Tiber help me uh, become um, yeah. a, a medical professional. So it's it's kind of a it's kind of a it's kind of a stop off. Is, am I am I catching that correctly? Yeah, that's probably not a bad example to what it is. What it is is actually the very first year of medical school. So there's lots of programs out there that are called postbacks, where students go and try to get their prerequisites to go into medical school. What I found was a lot of the minority students, the black and Hispanic students, don't do as well on verbal parts of the entrance exam or the MCAT. And so we developed a mechanism by saying, all right, we're not gonna look at all that other stuff other schools look at. We're gonna look at how you would actually do as if you were the first year medical student. And here's why this is important. I've, I've done pretty well, I'm a physician. My son's gone to a private Catholic school his whole life and if he needed help, we got him a tutor. He got a, a very good SAT score and he's going to a, a, a top college. A student that goes to an inner city school maybe gets a 1300, which is a good score on the SAT. He's got a 3.8 GPA. He goes to the same school as my son. They take chemistry, biology, and calculus. My son's already taken those classes. He gets A's. That student who comes from one of the inner city schools gets C's because he's never taken that class before. Right. It's not that my son's smarter. It's not my son's smarter. It's my son's better prepared. Right. And here's the problem. You get three, you get three C's your freshman year. We get thousands and thousands of applicants for medical schools for each slot. They don't even get looked at. Sure. Yeah. And so we need to find we need to find a way to start to change the way we identify talent. And what I tell these deans of these medical schools is we're supposed to be smart people. We're supposed to figure this out. But every year we keep talking about the same problem. And and Tiber is really, as far as I can tell, the first first product out there that's really trying to address this this problem in, in the healthcare workforce. So uh, without divulging, you know, like industry trade secrets or any of that kind of stuff, um, you know, kind of your, your your elevator pitch. So how how does Tiber do that? I mean, how do you how do you yeah, figure you know, out which students have the potential based on some of those aspects that aren't necessarily, you know, that you're not going to necessarily see in a, in a MCAT, right? That's a great, that actually is the whole root of what we're trying to do. So one of the things Tiber was able to do was we became the first group ever to buy a U.S. medical school. Okay. Wow. So we have a medical, we, we have a medical school and that we, we run it. We were able to turn around and it's doing very well now. Our students take the board. So we get the data from how the boards are. What we do is we take this group of students and we run them through the first year of medical school. And every time we ask a student a question, we calculate how much value that is. The more difficult the question, the more value it is. Okay. The more relevant to the boards, the more value it is. And we use a series of predictive modeling that I, I, I created to determine how these students are gonna do on the boards. And because we have a medical school, we have a reference group to see how they're gonna do on the board. So we compare these students in our master's program to this reference group and we're able to predict with a very high level of significance how they're going to do on a board score two and a half years later. Wow. That's the type of metrics we need to start being able to look at that we need to build out, not some one-off test like an MCAT. Right. And then the students that don't go into medical school, let's say, hey, look, they're, they're, they're not going to maybe do well in the MCAT or they're higher risk. 
Then we take that student, we say, hey, look, why don't you go into dentistry? Why don't you go into nursing? Why don't you go into pharmacy? So we create avenues for them to go into so they can get good paying jobs and, and make a significant contribution to their community and society. Well, and I, and I think that's really important in in the you know from that aspect of you're taking someone who has who, who has really decided that that their mission their goal is to help people, and rather than just you know shooting them down and turning them away and saying no, nah, this isn't for you, go you know find something else to do. You're providing those other ways that they can say, look, you can still help people, just not necessarily as a PhD, you know, not necessarily down this what? track you thought you were going to go down, but you can still contribute to society. You can still help the folks in your neighborhood if that's who you're wanting to help. You can still help people. That, that's very cool. Yeah, that really and, is. And to think about the shortage, and to think about the shortage we have, we're, we're, we're talking 125,000 doctors short in the U.S., almost a million healthcare workers short in the US, 13 million healthcare workers short across the globe by 2025. That's not far away. Right. And we need to solve this problem now. And giving people, these are good paying jobs. They're gonna be jobs for life. You know, it, 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 it's really creating a good social impact. We, we're gonna make good, we, we do well, we make good revenue from it, but we're also creating a social benefit and that, yeah. You know, as a doctor, that's what it's about. Yeah. You know, are you actually making tomorrow better than today? Yeah. Well, so let's talk about this. Um, let's talk about ed tech. Let's talk about 2018, the 21st century. What are you guys doing differently that the other med schools don't get and don't understand about making this accessible for students of diversity and low income? Yeah. So we need to change the way we, we deliver health education. Mm -hmm. there, was a, there was a report in 1910 called the Flexner Report, and the Flexner Report said that U.S. medical education needs to change. That the way we do it where the professor stands in front of the class and the student takes notes and takes an exam, it's all wrong, we need to change it. Every year since 1910, we talk, we go to meetings, we go to conferences, everyone says how we need to change this bloody, this bloody thing. Exactly. We never do it. Yeah. So what we did was we became the first school to kind of what you would classify flip the classroom. So we don't give lectures anymore. Those lectures are given offline. And in class, what we do is we still have class. This is not an online curriculum, mm -hmm. but that lecture, that boring part's given offline. And when we come to class, we work through clinical cases based on the stuff the students watched ahead of time. And every time we ask, we, we go through these clinical questions and we ask the students information or, or, or questions. And the students use student response systems. And so every day in class, we're collecting data on how the students know the stuff, their comprehension. So there's no more lecture. When I was in school, I had biochemistry at eight in the morning. I can't keep myself awake at eight in the morning. I'm an afternoon night. <laughs> right. which is, I'm glad you guys are, you know, that, that, that. Let, let alone it being biochemistry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Who the hell pays attention to that? Right. Exactly. So, you know, so, so you have to beat that. Right. So we, we, we take that, we take that stuff offline and we, we work through clinical problems that the students want to work through. That's what the students want to do. They want to, they want to solve problems. And here's the greatest part of it. They're working together in teams. And what they're learning from day one is it's not important who makes the diagnosis of diabetes or a heart disease. It's that the diagnosis is made correctly. And the only way you can confirm that is to work in teams. And here, here's what you gotta remember. Most of these students are A personalities. They're aggressive, they're go-getters. You know, they, They've had to work their whole life to get into med school. And now you gotta kind of detrain them. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. to not be so competitive, to work together in teams. You can't do that in the traditional classroom. Right. And that's why I think a lot of the medical malpractice happens or a lot of the errors happen because everyone has to be right. You got to get rid of that thought process and say, all right, how do we work together in teams with the nurses, with the physical therapists, with the pharmacists, with the doctors? Yeah. That's what our program does. And that's what we do differently and significantly differently when you compare it to other schools. Yeah. So what are some of the um, what are some of the technologies that are implemented that, that the students have access to to help them learning to help yeah. them you know to provide the feedback to do the diagnostics you know that yeah kind of I, I want to know if you're using a, a yeah. AR VR for gross anatomy I just, that would that would be really awesome so you know cadavers and the whole bit and, and that VR. that is my favorite question because yes yes to the second question but I'll answer that second so imagine you're a student coming in the first day we don't give them a textbook. Mm-hmm. We give them an iPad. Yeah. All their lectures are on the iPad, already pre-recorded. Mm-hmm. Everything's, everything's done. And we work through in a timeline for that. So the technology we give is that we've got all the, all the lectures done, all the assessments done, all the outlines, all, all pre-prepared for all four years. It's all on that iPad. All their exams they take, all the questions they get in class, everything is done from that iPad. The technology we use is our, our analytics which is our backbone and our platform that we created. So we've created our own platform that deploys these videos and deploys the questions that we work through in class and and after the videos. With respect to anatomy, this is kind of really changing medicine. And I'm kind of an old timer, to be honest. I I, I believe that the students should cut into a dissection. But the reality is only about 5% of the medical students are gonna cut human tissue. And we spend all this money, if you live in New York, when I was dean of the medical school in New York, it's a lot of money to buy cadavers every year for these medical students. I mean, those are regulations. It's tens of thousands of dollars per cadaver. And if you need need a hundred of them, you know, it's a million dollars overhead. So what we're seeing is a change away from the cadaveric dissection to what we call plastinated models, where they plastinate a body that, you know, has died and then they cut it up in sections. But now we're starting to see a move, and this is what we do. We use a company called ZSpace, which is a uh, virtual reality programming system, and and, and a great product, by the way. ZSpace is by far a great product. They have an anatomy program that we use to dissect the body. My school district has four labs in itself, yeah, in our our K-12 district, yep. Yes, and and, you know, they've, they've done a great job in providing that. We also have an anatomage table that we have and do that. So what we do is we do a blended model. We have prosected bodies. The students go in, they, they can see the tissue, they can touch it. The problem with cadavers is it doesn't look like that in real life. The liver in a cadaver doesn't look like the liver when you're operating on a patient. It's sure. a different color, it's a different texture. Sure. So it, it's not really accurate, but these virtual realities, they can actually deploy what it's like. You can zoom in from the outside all the way down to the south. You can kind of follow a cell around through the blood system and take a look around like the, the fantastic journey. Yeah, right. So what it's doing, it's taking this, this dreaded course called anatomy and it's bringing it into the, I don't want to say the video game world, but it's bringing it into the tech world where the students actually understand it. And so again, if they understand it right from the beginning, they're more engaged in it. Yeah, and sure. that's what we find. We find the VR tools engages the student and then we can take them into the lab and show them why that's there and what that function is and it 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 works exceptional so a lot of the when you ask what we do differently 
a lot of the old schools, they don't want to make that change. They're still kind of doing the old cadaver anatomy. Sure. We need to change and to be using this virtual reality and these technologies to augment and, and, and kind of help what we do traditionally. And so I think that's what we've been very good at is, is adapting the new technologies into the traditional curriculum. That's awesome. You know, it's really exciting, Dr. Linehan. This is uh, this is exactly the kind of information that reaches you know three out of ten kids right now when they know that these opportunities exist outside of K twelve public education mm-hmm. and outside of undergraduate school. You know, they, this this gets them like, oh, that's exactly what I want to do. That's my genre. Right. That's where I want to go. It's real exciting what you guys have done. Um, so tell us a little bit. So if we have listeners, educators, students that would like to get in touch with you guys, um, what's the best way to do that? Well, two things. One, there's tiberhelp.com, mm-hmm. straight for a webpage. Just send a little uh, note at the bottom. There's a, a webpage to do that. And that's probably the best way. We'll get back to you within 24 hours on that. You can look up our school. So we're Ponte Health Sciences University. That's the medical school that we have down in Puerto Rico. And then we also have a branch campus in St. Louis. Oh, cool. So we're expanding it. And the nice thing about this is we're now taking it globally. So we're in South America. We're also looking in Madrid, hope to be in Madrid next year and in Africa. So we want to create a global platform. So if a student is, let's say on Wednesday studying in Ponce, on Thursday they could be in Colombia, South America, taking the next class that's awesome that, that we so create cool. a standardized global <laughs> right I, I, and to me that's exciting because healthcare the great thing about healthcare versus all the other you know law and accounting the great thing about medicine is we're all the same it doesn't matter if you're in ethiopia australia or or, or michigan we all have four chambers in our heart we, uh, we all have a liver and two lungs right so we're all the same, and, and, and so our, our education should be the same when it comes to treating patients. Well, and the ability to yeah. build global teams like that. I mean, you're 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 pre-building yeah. global teams of medical professionals right there. You know that are going to have have teams of, of every language, every ethnicity that can work together and find their partners. That's you know, in the future, that's going to be phenomenal. And the reason why that's important, guys, is the cultural competency aspect. The cultural competency aspect of healthcare is massive. And I'm going to give you an example. I don't want to run over time too much, but I had a heart issue. I had to have heart surgery uh, a year and a half ago. Okay. And I'm old guys, if you can't tell by my voice, but <laughs> I'm pretty old. And the doctor walks in my room and it's my wife and me. He's like, Dave, we got a problem. You're going to have to have surgery. You know, this is what we're going to do. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. All right. I walk into a patient's room in Puerto Rico or into Southern Los Angeles. And I, I got a patient with the same physiology and I'm going to have to tell the patient, Hey, we're going to have new surgery. There's 30 people in that room. Mm-hmm. Grandma, grandpa, uncle, nephew, the Hispanic culture is more family oriented than I am as a Midwestern. Right. Sure. And you have to be able, you have to be able to touch the patient. And I know it sounds kind of goofy, but I'm an Irish Catholic boy from the Midwest. You don't touch me unless you <laughs> absolutely have to, right? That's, that's, right. Just, <laughs> that's just how I am. But, but that, that culture, some of those cultures, you have to hug, you have to know how to do that. That little part is worth hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars to the U.S. economy. Mm-hmm, sure. Patient outcomes, patient satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Those things are all based on cultural competency. Because of the way we changed our curriculum, we now have more of an ability to concentrate on those skill sets. 
which is what we are lacking significantly in the U.S. health system. So it improves revenue to the health system. It creates jobs for the students. And most importantly for me, it creates opportunity for students who normally would not have that opportunity. Exactly. Oh, yes. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Well, Dr. Linehan, we want to thank you for coming on the show. And we've got to get you back uh, in the spring and let's see what's going on. And Because it sounds like you guys are growing leaps and bounds. And we'd love to find out more information and to definitely share it with our listeners, our educators, and our students. Jeff, Dave, I'd love to, and I really appreciate you guys having me on the show. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for coming. I'm just going to throw this out there. I would love the opportunity to speak with uh, maybe one or a couple of your students and get their perspective. I think that would be awesome. That would be really awesome. Well, we should, we'll definitely, you know, we'll be in touch. (laughs) Yeah, if you you want to talk to students next time, if you really want me on next time, I'll, I'll, I'll get a couple of students to be on the call with me. Yeah. And, and you can talk to them. You'll probably want to talk to them more than me anyway. And well, I'll describe it. <laughs> it's, it's students that have gone through the master's program mm-hmm. and then gone into medical school. And they'll talk about, hey, I wouldn't be here if this program wasn't there and the opportunity it's going to create. That, oh, that's awesome. To me, that I love it when the students say that because I get more excited because that, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, yes. Changing lives. Yeah, yes. that's what it's about. Well, that is awesome. Thanks, Dr. Linehan. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Uh Bye-bye. Hello there. I'm Jerry Prince with this week's East Update. It might appear that giving students more buy-in and control on where they spend their time would be most appealing, but not for everyone. Students that are challenged the most in this environment are those students that typically are high performers when it comes to traditional education, your straight-A students. Facilitator at Pulaski Heights Middle School, Jessie Watts, tells us about a recent experience she had with a typical 4.0 GPA student. One of my students is, uh, she's real bright, real smart student. Um, She almost dropped my class the first week. Uh, She got in and she quickly realized that I wasn't going to tell her what to do and how to do it, and it scared her. And um, she tried to drop it her parents wouldn't let her and she ended up toughing it out and uh, this year she was my project manager for my conference team she's just completely changed her view of education she loves doing projects now and she's expanded I think the way that she learns because she she's changing the way that that she's taking control of her education this way in east there are other challenges as well and sometimes from the total opposite end of the spectrum A student that struggles from challenges which could stem from a number of things, but in the end, school is just not working out well at all. Jesse has those students as well. And a spark was recently generated in one of these students when a piece of technology caught his attention. He decided that he wanted to do a virtual tour of what what it would be like for someone who was um, bipolar. And so he wanted to create a tour where it was using the 360 camera, where you would walk around the school feeling like you were maybe um, had multiple personalities or maybe you were ADD and kind of helping people experience what that's like. Um, Once he kind of jumped on that project, uh, he came in every day, he got to work, he just was excited about learning and he just stopped getting in trouble. And it was just an amazing transformation of just finding a student who you can find their passion uh, and it changes the way that they, they look at their education. It's not a can or can't, it's more so a will or won't. 
and our facilitators like Jesse do a great job in nurturing an environment to meet the individual needs of each end of that spectrum as well as everything in between. Special thanks this week to Jesse from Little Rock's Pulaski Heights Middle School and to our student composer, Lewis from Nettleton High School, another one from the East Archives, Vitality. If you're interested in the changes East students are making in their community, follow us on social media at the East Initiative or visit us on the web at eastinitiative.org. I'm Jerry Prince with East. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you so much to the folks over at the East Initiative. Remember, check them out, eastinitiative.org. We appreciate them providing the updates that they give us uh, about, not just about the East Initiative itself, but the impact that East Initiative has on schools, on the students. We get to hear from students, from yeah. the educators involved. How student-centric the program is. Yeah, yeah. You find very, very cool. Yeah, I, as Jeff likes to say, they were, you know, they were PBL before PBL was cool. That's right. They were STEMing it before STEM was even. Yeah. Before yeah. STEM was a thing. Before it was an acronym. Yeah, that's right. But, <laughs> that's right. That's right. They, they were STEM before there was STEAM. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, we're coming. <laughs> we're going to be out there live here pretty soon. Oh, off the rails. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're going to be, you can catch us. In fact, coming up right after Thanksgiving, we're going to be in Colorado. Yes. There's nothing like being in Colorado at the end of November. <laughs> Especially the way the weather's been going around here. You know, here in, yes. here in Lowen, Arkansas, we wake up and there's snow on the ground and it's the first of November. That just doesn't happen. That is so crazy. But it was interesting. I was able to walk out and shoot a flying pig and have bacon that morning. So Hey. <laughs> Listen, we're going to be at AESA in Colorado Springs uh, right after the week after uh, Thanksgiving. And then after that, we're going to be at FETC uh, on the 26th through the 30th of January. And after that, we're going to be at um, ICE in Illinois at Schaumburg. Yeah. Schaumburg. Schaumburg. So we'll be up there doing the Illinois uh, Computer Educators Conference. Hey, maybe we can see Dub Bass. Dub Bass. (laughs) I know what we can see, the end of this show. It's, it's coming right there. It's it's it's, it's actually <laughs> rushed up on us like a like a construction cone on a dark stormy night. It's right there in front of us. So I tell you what, it's been a great show for me. I'm Jeff Madlock. Oh, I don't even know who I am anymore. I'm David Henderson. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to the EduTech Guys. EduTechGuys.com. This is Ross Romano from The Authority here on the Bee Podcast Network. It's the show where I interview people who know what they're talking about, and no matter your role, we have some recent episodes you won't want to miss. I spoke with Mark Miller, international best-selling author and VP of High Performance Leadership at Chick-fil-A, about his brand new book, Culture Rules. Kate Everly Walker, CEO of Presence and author of The Good Boss, joined the show, and we've had conversations with Baruti Caffele, Peter DeWitt, Julie Evans, and many more. Join us each week for ideas to address your current pain points, new perspectives from authors you admire, and fresh takes from up-and-coming voices. Subscribe to the Authority Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.